Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m. services, or connect with us on Facebook. Thanks for braving the weather and joining us today, and uh, it's kind of interesting to see our some of our services combined, those who normally attend the 9 o'clock and uh, join us here at the 11 o'clock, so we're, we're glad you're joining us today as uh, we are in week three of the new year, as the, uh, the, the new year already in motion and uh, underway. As uh, Tim mentioned, we are in our, the last week of our 21 days of prayer and fasting, and uh, not too late to jump on board, and that will wrap up on Saturday, but uh, you can follow along uh, with the uh, devotional that's there, but I hope you'll make it a point just to grow with us. This is our desire to set aside the ordinary so that we might experience the extraordinary that God has for us. And uh, there's opportunity when we quiet ourselves before the Lord, when we, when we make room for Him, and uh, so I encourage you to do that. Deuteronomy chapter 30, if you have your Bibles or you can follow along on the YouVersion Bible app, the uh, text will be on the screen as well in just a moment. But we're continuing a series called Activate, and the desire is this, is that we would uh, not just talk about what needs to be done, but that we would step in and uh, activate in what it is that God desires and what God is wanting to do in our lives. There's a lot of things that we can eventually, someday, uh, eventually we will, but then there are those moments that uh, this, is, this is the year, uh, this is the moment, the time, and uh, we believe this, that we don't have time to waste. How many agree with me that we don't have time to waste? Uh, I'll tell you why. Number one, you're getting older, not younger. So am I. We don't have time to waste. But the biggest reason is this, that Jesus Christ is still to return, and we look forward to the coming of Jesus Christ. Is there anyone with expectation looking forward to the return of Jesus Christ, that his kingdom, uh, his kingdom already reigns, but we will reign with him, and uh, we will be with him forever. We don't have time to waste, and so uh, we believe this. I believe strongly that this is the time for, for acceleration, and it's a time that we recognize what's worth fighting for, that's worth the fight, what's worth the fight, that this, this important things that are at stake. Today I want to talk about uh, just the power of choices and the uh, significance to the choices that we make. Would you stand with me as we look at this text together in Deuteronomy chapter 30? When we'll look at verse 11, this is Moses speaking. The book of Deuteronomy is oftentimes or sometimes referred to or, or has been referred to as the second law, and this is not in addition. It's just where Moses is now reiterating, where it's being put together just the, in detail. Uh, and him reminding them and saying to them again just the law that had, had been set in motion. And here's what he says in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11. Moses is speaking to the people that he's leading. This command I'm giving you today, this is not too difficult for you. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not that hard. Just tell them it's not that hard. It's not that hard. It, it, it's not too difficult, and it's not beyond your reach. It is not kept in heaven so distant that you must ask who will go up to heaven and bring it down so we can hear it and obey it. It is not kept beyond the sea so far away that you must ask who will cross the great distance of the sea and bring it back so that we can hear it and obey it. No, the message is very close at hand. Here's how close it is. It is on your lips and in your heart so that you can obey it. It is the desire that is already within you. He has created you and I with a conscience. We are set apart that with the Spirit of God, we are created in the image of God. It is on the inside of you. 
It is a want and a desire. He has put this on the inside of you. You don't have to reach for this, wonder how far it is. He's put it right on the inside of you that he's birthed you and I with it. We have a conscience. We have this desire. He says it's on our lips. It's in our heart. Verse 15, now listen. I always want to pause there just to grab attention. Uh, just, anyway. Now listen, today I am giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day. Now I, I, I'm sorry, I can't just read this to read it. I want you to hear the word of the Lord. This isn't Jason Lamer reading text to you today. This is the word of the Lord being spoken over every man and woman. Over every person who breathes and is brought onto this earth with existence. This is the word of the Lord. This is not the opinion of a man who stands before you and preaches for a living. This isn't just the words of, of some men who sat around and thought, well, hey, this would be a great idea. Let's build an organization around this. this. These are the words of the one who breathed life, who breathed the planet, who breathed all things into existence. The one who is still breathing life over dead things today. The one who speaks all things into existence. These are not your words. These are not my words. These are the words of the ever living God. He says, I command you, I command you this day. Somebody say today. 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 I command you today to love the Lord your God and keep his commands, his decrees and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you and the land you are about to enter and to occupy. But, everybody say but. but. Don't you hate the but? But, actually, no, if you realize uh, what's on the other side, uh, this might scare you because this but, you don't want to get on the side of this but. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, and if you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live a long, good life. I was, I was reading this, and I, I love the fact that it says you will not live a long, good life. I don't think it matters if it's long. If it's not good, it's not worth being long. The, the quality is not by how long you live. I would rather live a short, good life than just a long life. I would rather live, it, it's a long, good life, that you'll live a long, good life in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to occupy. Verse 19, today I've given you this choice between life and death, between blessing and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice. I love how the New Living Translation breaks this down. You can make this choice. It's possible. Here's how you do it. This is how you choose life. You can do this. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God. I, I feel like I could just end that right there, wrap this up and say to you, folks, the way to have a good life is just to love the one who already loves you more than anybody else who ever loved you. This is not a hard task. Love the one who loves you more than anybody could ever love you. Do you know how much he loves you? Sorry, I'm not shouting because I'm angry. I'm shouting because it's like, God, if we knew your love, how it would change us? It's not hard to love somebody who loves you. He said, if you can do this by loving the Lord, and I know it says more, but I can't find where I was. I got sidetracked. So. Oh, that you would choose life. <laughs> uh, oh, that you would choose life. 
and I'll just start all over. And your descendants might live. You can make this choice. There it is. By loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give you your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Father, I thank you. This is a promise. And so, Lord, today we pray that this promise would take root in our heart, that, God, we would, that we would understand it, and, God, that we would allow it, Lord, to transform us, Lord, to activate in us what it is you desire. We pray this in Jesus' name. If you agree with that today, would you shout amen? amen. And just tell somebody beside you, it's a choice. It's a choice. You may be seated. That is the title. That's the title I want to take for the next uh, couple minutes. I, I don't want to be long so because uh, uh, it's too cold outside to stay inside. I don't, what the heck does that even mean? I don't know. <laughs> so cold. We've got to hurry up and get the... Um, it's a choice. It's a choice. And uh, uh, I, I want to ask this question here this morning. What would we accomplish in life and what could we affect if we realized how much of life is really a choice? If we realize how much of life is really a choice, we, we know it because oftentimes, here's how we know it, because we judge the choices that other people make. Um, if they would just make a better choice, if they would just do something different. Um, but I, I want you to just allow this to kind of get personal today and, and uh, ask this question, what if we realize the power of the choice that we have to make? What could we really affect? What could we really accomplish? What could we really activate if we knew the power of the choice? I, I, I wonder if we realize that it's a choice. Uh, how, much of is, how much of my health is really a, uh, a choice and, how, and not just my mama's genes? It's a choice. How much of my financial struggle is really a choice and not just the unfortunate unfairness and lack of opportunities that I have because it's a choice. I wonder if the relational dysfunctions in our lives, if we realize that it's really a choice and, and not just the, the unfortunate circumstances that would, would seem to happen around us, there's so much more. I, I wonder what would happen if I realized that my attitude is not really, or that my attitude is really a choice and not just the result of the, the occurrences and things that have happened in my life. Do you know how much of a choice that life really is? That there's so much that instead of us really knowing the power of the choice we have, that we have the power to make a choice, that it can transform and change. When you know the power of decision, when you know the power of being able to make a choice, that it, it transforms, it can change. What could be activated in our life if, if we could learn the choices and the importance of the choice that we make? But unfortunately, there are many things that remain inactive in our lives. And the reason they remain re inactive is because we have replaced with the, the terminology and some things that we have said, things like, I can't, in place of, I don't want to. When we really need to call things what it is, that when we say, I can't, but the reality of it is, is I just really don't want to. And this oftentimes becomes the strategy to excuse our responsibility, and too often it works. It's a strategy to, to excuse and permit or to justify our, our irresponsibility, and it's working way too well. You can't help it. It's just the way it is. 
just the way we were born. It's just how I was raised. It's just the luck of the draw. It's just how life happened to me. It's just the, the, the consequences of, of these circumstances, these, these things that have occurred around me. Parents, please tell me this has happened in your home. I don't remember which child it was. I probably don't want to remember because I love them all so equally, and I can't imagine any of them would ever do this, but one of them did. They, I just remember they were young, and it was pre the, the school age, and and uh, it was one of those evenings that I took them into the room where all the toys were strewn around the room. And I, I brought them into the room and I said, you need to clean up the toys. You need to pick up the toys. Now, I want you to see and know that it was one of these moments where the toys were all over the place. There is a decent sized toy box on one side of the room. It is not organized. It's not one of those that, that certain colors need to go in this set. And you've got to put, it's just pick up the toys off the floor and put them into the toy box just one maybe two at a time at a repeated fashion until all the toys are picked up it doesn't seem to be that big of a deal except they looked at me and said daddy I can't what is it that says you can't to which I said yes you can all you need to do is pick up and I picked up one of the toys I said you see you do this and you put it in the toy box and I began to help them by showing them and giving one to them just put this in you would think that I just asked them to do something that was so outside of the world of reasonable thinking they blew up they threw a tantrum they said daddy I can't do it it turned into I I don't want to and you're not going to make me do you please tell me that's happened in your home at some time of life of parenting somebody help me feel like not enough responses well too late Jody we've done raised our kids so they're messed up for life so we didn't do it right I, I, I remember this and I know I'm trying to reason what is it who taught my preschool before any experience? Who taught my preschooler to, to, reason, to, uh, to reason away responsibility with the excuse of I can't do it? To claim inability and by claiming inability, thereby excusing themselves for not having responsibility. Because if they could hide behind the I can't, then all of a sudden everything goes away. Who taught my kid how to do that? It's just something on the inside of us. Because we know oftentimes what we ought to do but when we know what we ought to do and we don't want to, we'd much rather justify it by saying, oh, I would, but I can't. I can't. How much of life would be activated? How much of relationships would be different? How much of, of experiences would be different just by the choice we make instead of justifying or hiding the things that we've said I can't to and in reality I have to, have to own and say, no, I've excused responsibility and in all honesty is I don't want to. I, I, I don't want to. It, they're convinced, and, and I, I think of that story, and, and I think of this unreasonable response. And I know there have been other parents that have had that. And in your mind, you're like, it's not that hard. Just pick up the toy and put it in the box. It's not a big deal. But somehow that child convinced themselves that this would take way too long, that I want to go watch my show, or I want to eat my whatever. I got to do this, and what I want to do is now being covered up by you making me do this. And somehow in a moment, not understanding, know that dad still wants good things for you. It's not that dad is trying to make you a prisoner. It's that dad is teaching you responsibility. Whatever the show is, whatever the, the, the snack is, whatever that you as a child think that you're missing in that moment, no, he's a good father. He wants to provide for you. But we let our perception get caught up that we're in a trap. 
Can I tell you what it is for you and I? Is the enemy is doing everything he can to make you and I feel like there are no options. We have no choices. The perception is everything is falling apart and we have no hope. He wants us to back up against the wall and feel like there's nothing we can do. Do you know, he needs to give you that perception. You know why? Because unfortunately, we have settled for a statement that says perception is reality. Can I just tell you today, perception is not reality. Perception is reality to someone who only sees partly. Then therefore, it's not reality. If you're only seeing a part of something and and basing the whole reality off of a small piece, then how can that be called reality? It's only reality when you see the big picture. Your perception is not reality. May I say to you today, your perception is not reality, but the Word of God is reality. And when we live our lives, not based on our perception, but what the Word of God says. That when that becomes the norm, the reality of our hearts, that we, we realize, no, he's good. Oh, yeah, this circumstance isn't good right now. This situation isn't what I desired. I, I really don't want to forgive. I really don't want to walk into this decision. I really don't want to advance in this area. I really don't want to face this, this setback, this unfortunate thing in life. I don't want to. But I know this, what I see right now is not reality because the Word of God says He'll never leave me or forsake me. The Word of God says that this lasts for a moment, this temporary moment, momentary thing lasts for a moment, but there is great victory and something beyond that I'm living not based on what I can see but I'm living on what his word says which is why the righteous live not by sight but the righteous live by faith it's by faith that we live according to what God's word says that when we take that approach when we realize the word of God how many would agree with me it will remove a lot of our excuses if we apply the word of God it would remove a lot of excuses that we can sometimes get left into our into our midst the enemy doesn't want you to know that there's hope for your situation the enemy wants you to be left in a place of hopelessness where you feel the weight and you you feel the burden I woke up this week one of the mornings is as I woke up and I felt this this weight and as I felt this weight I knew immediately that there was this oppressive spirit that was wanting to rob my joy and take away a hope and a perspective I, I know as well that it was not just me but the Holy Spirit was giving me a word for this house and for people here today that the enemy wants you to walk in a place and here's the spiritual word to walk in oppression and oppression is to be bound is to be seen as a sense of hopelessness like there's no hope or despair is all around you when the enemy can make you feel despair the enemy can put you in a place of control when he can take away your options he can control your outcome when the enemy takes away your options he can control your outcome He can control the outcome that will occur in your life. Why? Because the enemy did it? No, you played right into what the enemy did. Because the power of life and death is in your tongue. And instead of proclaiming the hope that is in Christ, you began to declare, well, there's no hope. I can't do it. I don't have what it takes. I'm not good enough. It's not going to work. You spoke into existence. And don't give the enemy power over the decision that you made because the power is not in the enemy. The power is in the words that you spoke over your life. The enemy doesn't have that much power. The enemy doesn't have that much power. Now, he does. He has the ability. What's his ability? His ability is to distort reality. That's all he can do. All he can do is distort. Listen to what the Bible says in, in, in 2 Corinthians 4. 
It says, Satan, who is the God of this world. Listen, he's only going to be here for a little while because God will soon crush Satan under our feet. We have this victory. Yes, he is ruling over this world right now. He is the prince and the power of the air. Yes, there is sin and darkness, but there's a God who's given us hope. Yes, death occurs in life, but thanks be to Jesus that he brings dead things to life. Yes, the enemy allows disappointment or the enemy causes sickness, cancer, disease. Yes, the enemy does these things, but even cancer is still just a distortion of reality. You know why? Because the reality is not that cancer took the life. The reality is that what cancer took away, God is able to restore in complete fashion and nothing lacking, even better than it was before. That's the reality. That's the reality. The distorted reality is that the enemy took my peace. The enemy took my hope. The enemy took my loved one. The enemy took, that's a distorted reality. He can only cause sickness, but he cannot overtake the one who is able to raise the sick, who's able to bring the dead to life, who's able to speak life in hopeless and difficult situations. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds. I wonder today what minds have been blinded. I want you to hear me today. Your mind might be blinded. I didn't say you're not saved, but the enemy might be working some oppressive spirit in your life. The enemy's keeping you in a holding pattern. I didn't say you're not saved, but I am saying you're not walking in the fullness of all that God has for you. You're not walking in the completion, the wholeness. I'm not saying you don't know the love of God. I'm saying you've not fully received all that God has for you. I I can't understand and make sense of all that because I would never question your salvation because I have a hard enough time taking care of my own heart. I can't mess with yours. Just my own heart before God. Oh God, here I am. Oh, God, here, I, Lord, forgive me. I need you. I, I, I need you. That, that's all where, that's the only place that I can be. But here's, here's what he, he says, that Satan has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. You know, we're missing who Jesus really is. Oh, we're missing at times who Jesus really is. The enemy wants to keep you from tasting and experiencing the victory, the victorious hope. And so he distorts the reality. The thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. The enemy comes to distort and to oppress, but it's a choice that we have to see past the perception and set our eyes on the reality. Do you realize it's a choice? Tell your neighbor today, tell him it's a choice. It's a choice. Your attitude, it's a choice. The way you're treating that person, it's a choice. It's a choice. Don't empower the things that don't have power because the power is what God has given you and I. He's given you and I the power of choosing life. We have the ability, the authority. This is what Christ has made possible to us. If you're taking notes, maybe write this down. When we neglect to realize our choice, we settle for someone else's excuse. When we neglect to realize our choice, we settle for someone else's excuse. Why do I say someone else's? Because there's nothing new under the sun. And you've learned your behavior from somebody else. The people you hang around becomes the behavior that you attract, that you take on. Someone taught you how to do that. Someone taught you how to, uh, my, Jaron, he came home and uh, uh, someone had said to him, man, you make faces just like your dad. You look just like your dad. I said, buddy, I'm sorry. Jaron said to me one day, he said, Dad, I got in a conversation with someone. And he said, I almost stopped myself. I sound like my dad. He said, I got to be honest with you. And said, Dad, I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of proud about that. That's my my son. And and Jaron's like, Dad, I sounded just like you. Where do you think you got that? Why? Because the people, it becomes someone else's. 
are the ones that we're becoming someone else of, are they like the one who is Christ? And are we becoming more like Christ? Or are we taking on the patterns of this world? Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you would know the perfect, pleasing will of God. You can make the right choices. You know why? Because I know what the will of God is. I know what the perfect, pleasing will of God is. I can make a choice in this moment because I know what it is that would please God. How many know that when our choices become in that way, that we make choices that please God, you better believe it's altogether different. I don't have to worry about being offended because it's going to be hard to get offended because when we know the will of God, no offense is allowed there. It's going to be hard to be at a place of, of letting the sun go down on my wrath because when the will of God is there, that doesn't happen because the will of God directs me. The will of God allows me to respond. And, and um, yeah, I'll get on to the other stuff So because it's cold outside. We've got to get going. It's cold out there. We've got to go. <laughs> I want to, I hope today just to encourage you that um, you have the power to make a choice. Quit being slave to the circumstances and the powers of this world. Quit being slave. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You've got to know that today. I didn't say that there aren't bad circumstances. Yep, there is a power of this world that is the enemy, but there is one who is greater. And his distortion of reality is that nothing is perfect. And you know what? That's absolutely right. We live in a broken world. Nothing's perfect. But there is one who restores all things to even better than we could even imagine. That's the reality. That's the reality. I want, I want to give you a couple things uh, today and um, in just making choices. Uh, we call this choiceology, the study on making good choices. I made that up. That's not a real thing. Although I did look at it, what is the study of choices? Do you know what the study of choices is? Economics. Economics is not just finances. Economics, if you go look at it, it, listen, I Googled it, and Google doesn't lie. So uh, <laughs> the, the, the study, and I thought how, how appropriate that how we make choices, how we handle the things in life is really the economy or the economics of our life. Do you realize that your choices you make will determine the direction of your life? How you steward that, how we make choices. I want to give you a couple things this morning that, that I, I, that, to encourage us, but really to recognize how important it is the choices that we make. And so here it is, number one. Number one is this. We've got to understand this. Everyone has a choice. You say, well, that's so basic. What do you mean by that? The reason I say everyone has a choice is because you have to know right off the bat that this is not one of those things that is just circumstantial, that you could not rise to something significant because of where you were born, what your condition is. You're on that side of the tracks, whatever that might be. I'm not going to dis or argue that some people have different opportunities than others. I believe that. Some have better opportunities. There's no doubt. There's a reality. Let's not be ignorant. Let's not even try and say that doesn't exist. It absolutely does exist exist but just because people have different opportunities doesn't mean that everybody doesn't have a, an opportunity that there's an opportunity somewhere it doesn't mean it's the same one I didn't say it's the same one but there's opportunities there's there's opportunities all in how we handle the choices and the decisions the things that are in front of us every one of us have an opportunity to make a choice that every one of us are making choices 
that we have choices when it comes to, to living in our circumstances or living above our circumstances. We've got to understand that we have the choice no matter what it is that's happened around us, no matter what it is. And too often times we negate making choices because we compare our situation to someone else's situation. And because our situation doesn't look like theirs, we don't make good choices because we somehow think that the only way that's working out for them is because of the circumstances that are around them. You don't know the choices they had to make to get to where they are. It's still a matter of choice. It's still, and, and I'm not saying this today, that, that I've had different opportunities than other people in my life and, and around me. I have a, I've had other opportunities. I realize I've had different opportunities. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm one of the first ones in my family. Actually, I think the first one in my family to graduate with a college degree. You say, why? Because that makes you special? No. Guess how I got there? Because I put myself through college. I paid for myself. Is that a pity party? Is that a, No, it's me saying I wanted to seek the call of God and not say, well, no one else in my family ever went. No one, my mom and dad's not even paying for me. I don't have, the, I don't have what it takes. No, God, if this is what you have for me, you'll provide for me because I don't want whatever everybody else has I want what you have guess what God provided for me he made a way I get to now preach in a church in a place that's altogether different than a church that I ever grew up in and in opportunities that I had why because I grew up in a spoon with a spoon in my mouth and my dad was a big preacher in this place and dad just handed me something no God opened the doors and brought direction he gave an opportunity I'm not anybody for any reason except that Jesus Christ loved me and gave himself for me and in exchange I can't help but give myself to him that's the choice I made and it changed my direction that's the choice that changed my life that Jesus gave himself for me and in return I gave myself to him and you better believe it we'll, we'll oftentimes Jody and I sit and say can you imagine how God we can't even imagine all the ways God has blessed all the things that God has done and you know what in the blessing be careful because even the blessings themselves can become distortion to forget where God has brought you from, to forget what God has called you to. And now all the things that surround you, you forget the reason he called you. I never want to forget. There are times God takes me back to that Taco Bell in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota, where my wife and I sat with no money in our pockets and not even in our ashtray because we emptied it to have a last meal. When you're splitting a Taco Bell meal, that's bad. When you're splitting a Taco Bell meal and that's all the money out of the ashtray, we said, God, how are we going to get it? But we don't know, but there was a joy in my heart. I got to tell you, I had no money, but there was a lot of joy and faith in my heart and the Lord did miracles in that day I never want to get so wealthy that I forget to live off a change out of my Taco Bell meal off of the ashtray because of the faithfulness of God because nothing I have is what I deserve it is only by the grace of God that I have anything and those decisions to follow Jesus is all that's made the difference in my life that's your testimony too it's only by the grace of God that's your story that's your testimony it's only by the grace of God you have what you have. It's only by the grace of God that, that, that you have this choice that we have to make. Will we or will we not trust in the Lord? Romans says this, the, the decision that everyone has to make, we put our trust in the Lord. Listen to what Romans says. For it is by believing in your heart that you've been made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. And the scripture tells us anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced or shamed or oppressed. That's a root where we can get that same word of oppression, that, that anyone who trusts in him will not be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. The scripture is saying it doesn't matter if you grew up knowing the, knowing the law, knowing the, the, the gospel, or not the gospel at this point, but knowing the things that point to Jesus, whether you knew that or not, didn't matter where you grew up. Everyone has this opportunity. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will 
be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There is no disqualified, no disadvantage. There's no one who say, I can't help it. There's no hope. There is hope for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Do you believe that this morning? Everyone has a choice. There's hope. All you have to do is call on the name of the Lord. And I realize you say, well, Jason, that doesn't make everything go away. My, my, my marriage, my finances, they all don't just snap and get together. Absolutely. I realize everything doesn't change in that moment, but things start to greatly change on the inside of you. And when things change on the inside of you, it changes the course of what's happening around you. Why? Because you know the power of the choices that you can make. You begin to speak those things that are life. Let me give you number two. Every choice is not created equal. I'm going to move through these quickly. Every choice is not created equal. When it comes to making choices, you got to realize not every choice is created equal. You can't just make any choice and expect the right result. It's interesting to me that we can make the choices that we make at times and blame God for the results when we have to account for some of the choices that we made. They're choices that we've made in the process. Now, now here's the grace of God, that, that no matter what our choice is, the, the grace of God that he's able to intervene in spite of our choices. How many are thankful for God's grace? Because I get what I don't deserve. It's the grace of God. But there are the, there are the moments in reality that, hey, I'm, I've made a choice in these things. Not every choice is created equal. And we've got to realize that you can't just live any way and expect a good result. You can't just talk any way and expect a good outcome in relationships. You can't just spend your money any way and expect to get to a good, good planning and good place. You can't just do anything in those moments. And, uh, of course, the Scripture said that, but if you turn away, he said, you, you'll be destroyed. You'll be at a place of destruction. Let me give you number three. Number three is this. Every choice has a consequence. To not serve the Lord is to welcome destruction. God does not destroy, but he does withhold blessing. God does not destroy, but he does withhold blessing. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. i got one more point, so you can keep your notebook out. We're going to wrap this up, and we're going to pray. Here's what I want to pray today. I want to pray that the Spirit of God will fill you with power to know who you are in Christ and to not be distorted any longer with the perception that the enemy has given you but to see above that and to know that God is giving you the power to choose life and in choosing life he gives you the authority to overcome whatever junk and funk and dysfunction the enemy wants to bring in your life every choice has a consequence you will either live in God's blessing or outside of God's blessing listen to this God will not destroy you, but your poor choices will. He says you will be destroyed. We read in the text. You can go back and read it. Uh, the text we just read, he said, but if you turn away, you will be destroyed. God is not a God of destruction. He is a God of restoration. He will not destroy you, but he will let your choices do it. It's the ultimate free will. It's the ultimate free will. God will not protect you at any cost. He's made available for you at every cost. He's made the opportunity available to you at every cost. He gave himself freely. He gave himself on the cross, died for our sins, that we might have this hope. He's made every way possible, but you have the privilege of rejecting the way that Christ has made for you. You have, you have the privilege of rejecting and settling for the ordinary. You have the privilege of living a mediocre, settled life in excuses and not experiencing the fullness and the favor of what God has for your life. You have, the, you have the privilege of choosing to carry that baggage of what's been done to you and to not allow by faith the power of God to set you free. You have the choice. You have the choice to say, I can't. I don't have what it takes, even though the truth is you don't want to. 
You don't want to go through the unfortunate or the difficult points that sometimes are. Like the kid who says, I, don't, I can't put the toys away. No, it's not that you can't. It's just you're distorted in this mind right now that makes you think that you don't have time to focus on this because you'll miss out on your TV show, your snack, whatever it is. And how many know that we're just like children that somehow we think, but if I do that, then I'm going to miss out and forget that he's a good God who knows how to provide for every need that we have. That he's faithful. That he's faithful and just. That he's good in our lives. There's consequences. C.S. Lewis wrote these words. He said, there are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say, God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says, in the end, thy will be done. Did you get that? There's only two kinds of people in the end. Those to whom, who say to God, thy will be done. And then those whom God says in the end, thy will be done. Either we say to God, God, your will be done. Or God will say to us at the end, your will be done. But I can tell you, if we choose life, if we choose his will, that is the blessing, that is the hope, that is the goodness. Let me, let me give you the last thing. The last thing is this, as we close, one choice matters the most. When it comes to making decisions and, and knowing that we have a choice, we've got to know this, every, every choice not only has a consequence, but one choice matters the most. They will tell you this, that the best way to make good choices in life is to choose what is most important and not get distracted by the other things. How many know in life there's a lot of choices to make? You, you got a lot of choices to make. And, and so the professionals, I don't know who these are, but you know, people who are, who, are, who are doctors and whatever they do, the mind, the way of thinking, I think it works because if you put Jesus first, if you make him the center, if you make this choice, here's what I know, that when I put Jesus in his rightful place and I choose life in Christ, he has a way of putting my marriage my finances, my resources, my time. He has a way of putting everything else in its place. When you put the most important thing, all the rest will come around it. All the rest will come around it. And now, when I put those, those things in the rightful place, it's not work to step into what God has. It now becomes, I can't help, but favor goes before me. I walk in Christ, and he just opens doors. Nothing I could do, nothing I could provide on my own. He just walks with me. Yeah, there are times i got to press in. i got to believe. i got to trust. But by faith, as I walk in him, he opens. He makes available. He does. But the enemy's doing whatever he can to distort your perspective today. The enemy's doing whatever he can to distort your perception. Would you be real today and say, God, I've got some distorted perception in my, in my life. I'm seeing this circumstance in a certain way and I'm not seeing it the way you see it. Are, are, you, are you able to acknowledge that there's some places in your life that, that you've settled for your way of looking at it but have separated from saying and putting in a place of saying, God, help me see the way you see this? Is that just me? Does that make sense to anybody this morning? What parts of your life, what areas, are there places in our lives that Maybe young person in, in a relationship. You're, you're looking for someone. Maybe, maybe you're a young adult and you're, you're in your 20s. You need to find somebody to spend the rest of your life with. And, and you see your, your circumstance like this. Don't, don't get lost in what you see because it might be distorted. Make sure you see it the way God sees because he'll lead you. He'll bring not just someone. He'll bring someone who you, who you can trust, who you can love, who would honor God. When you put Jesus first, don't ever settle for someone who doesn't put Jesus first. If you don't have people in your life who put put Jesus first. Be careful because they're leading you down a distorted perception. Put him in a place of, of prominence, of, of value. Why? You say, well, Jason, it might take too long. I might not have what I want. You don't even know what you really want. 
Like one of the kids, I don't know which one it was. I can't pick up the toys, Daddy. Why can't you? I don't really know, but I don't want to. I don't even have a good reason. I don't have a good, I don't know. But I pray today that you allow this choice in Christ. Can I tell you how powerful it is choosing Christ? There's such weight in a good way. Remember the enemy comes to oppress you. By the way, I'm in Jesus' name. I want to today agree that every oppressive spirit be rebuked from this house. That oppression would not meet, would, would not remain. Here's why. Because oppression will cause you to distort even your relationships. You'll begin to question authority. You'll begin to question what's really going on. Why? Because you look from your own perspective, your own distorted perspective, instead of the truth of what God's word is. You say, Jason, how do you know that? Because I got emails. I know it. I get emails from people who tell me their perspective. I'm like, you don't even know. You don't even know what you're talking about. You, you, you don't even know the story. You don't even know the truth of the matter. You don't even know the big picture. You don't even know. And you know what can easily happen? Enough mindset in that, all of a sudden, whatever oppressive spirits on them starts, oh, so I'm like, I got to get out of here. I got to take a ride. I told my wife, I said, I got to go for a ride. I got, I got, I just got to go, go clear my mind. I got, you know what I got to do? I got to say, God, I need your perspective on this. I need your perspective on this. Do you know how much pride it takes to say, I might not know everything because what I say I can't, what I say, I, what I say I can't, and it won't work, that's pride. And in Jesus' name, rebuke it. Every time you've spoken over a situation said you can't, that's pride. You say, well, no. I said, I don't have what it takes. That's pride. Because it was all about you and not about the one who made you and the one who said he's greater in you, the one who's able to work in you. He can make all the difference. I was, uh, I grew up in the middle of a boatload of cousins. Um, I have a big family. And uh, so we, we would get together at my aunt's house. It was like different seasons of life. You'd hang out more times at this aunt. I don't know if you can relate to that. We'd all go over to Aunt Deb's house and we'd be there like, felt like every night of the summer we were at Aunt Deb's house. And one of these summers in particular, Aunt Deb worked at, at some factory, I don't even know, but she brought home from work this huge air, uh, th this huge air package, like this, this sack or whatever that was just air. And I guess they used it to transport big things for protection. And, and so it was just this big, this big, bag of air I don't even know what the material was and so she brought it home for for her her boys to play with and and so I'm, I'm over at the house so we're gonna play and so here's what we play hey you sit on one end and we'll jump and then you fly up in the air I loved it I look back and I'm like where did we land in the yard I mean that's what we did I, I think wait did we did we pad it or cushion it nope I even think my brother, my, my, uh, my cousin John, he landed in the middle of the road, I think, one time. Like, oh, that hurt, but let's do it again. I mean, you idiot. I remember getting in the, the, this whole place, and we're ready, this excitement, and it's, it's my turn. And it was my turn, and my cousin John went in to get a drink. And because John went in to get a drink, that meant his sister was now gonna be the one to catapult me. Now she's a little older than me, but she did her thing, she ran and she jumped. And when she jumped, I literally went And then it was all of a sudden, John comes out and John's like, okay, who's next? I'm like, my turn. No, Jason, you already went, but I didn't really go. I just, I just went, dude, dude, I didn't even, you have to go to the line. I got a lot of cousins, that's a long line. 
was a long way to wait to get there because why? Because the one who carried all the weight. I want you to know today you're at a place you say, God, I feel like I'm sitting on the bottom. I feel like I'm sitting at the bottom of life. I feel like this oppressive spirit, this I'm backed in a corner, there's no hope. You've said over circumstances, I can't help it. Nothing I can do about it. There's no answer. There's no hope. You're sitting on the bottom, but can I tell you, everything you need to catapult you is already inside that air. You know what you're missing? You're missing the one who carries all the weight to come and join you in the midst because the one who is weightier than your problem, the one whose glory carries more weight than any, you know why? Because he carried the sins of the world on his shoulder. He carried sickness, disease. He carried everything of this earth on his shoulder. You know why? Because he's weightier and stronger and greater than whatever backs you up against the wall and you feel like you're down on the ground with no hope. He says, no, if you'll choose me, if you'll say my big brother, my, my the Jesus, the one who came, I'll put my faith in him. His weight will cause you to catapult and move you beyond what you could ever imagine. He'll do it quickly. He'll do it effectively. And he will cause breakthrough in your life. It's all about a choice. You've got a choice today. You've got a choice. Tell somebody around you today, you've got a choice. It's you've got a choice. You don't have to stay in this any longer. You don't have to stay in this regret, this bitterness, this holdback. You don't have to be stuck in this position any longer. The one who is weightier came to give you hope in Jesus' name. So I may be weak, but his spirit's strong in me. My flesh may fail. Oh, but my God, he never will. I may not know what to do, but I know who to believe in. I may not know how to, how to respond in this moment, but I know who to put my trust in. I know who to put my faith in. And when my faith is in Him, my feet will not fail. He will keep those who trust in Him. The Bible says those who trust in Him.